Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo decoded report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestion, endo aligned product matching in your state, suggested dosage guidelines, and optimum methods of administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeka soft gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeka Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. What's up, everyone? It's 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon, which means you're tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News. I'm producer Lauren. Today, we're joined by Lisa Snyder, founder and CEO of Tokativity. But first, we do have to get into a little bit of cannabis legalization news. So, overworked guy and MIDI 420, what's happening? I sleep great. <laughs> I'm not dead yet. I sleep great. Oh, you're not dead? Uh, does the corona pass over uh, Seattle yet? I just feel like I'm on a constant Mighty Python episode, dude, where it's like, I'm not dead yet. Dead. That one or the other yeah. one? Well, the one where they, he throws them in the cart. He's like, wait, wait, wait. I'm not I dead I think yet. I'm getting better. You're not getting better. You're not getting uh, better. Yeah. Oh, no, it, man. It, it's bad out here, though, bro. Uh, I got. Uh, we ain't got no. We ain't got no zombies in the middle of the cornfields. Oh shit! Applications are due Monday, and so yeah. hey, you want to know why you're supposed to watch all the way until the end? You know, what we're going to tell you at the end of this how to get an application, how to easily submit your applications, and probably avoid most of the lines uh, on Monday if you need this last weekend. And I got a couple of team members that don't. And I got a couple of team members that do need this last weekend to put all their stuff together. I sh Hey, you want to play the prices right about how long this application is going to be? After you submit it? Yeah. Like when we're going to submit it. So like how many pages? Oh shit, man, dude. I, I've seen your guys' requirements. I'd imagine, uh, uh, like, let's shoot for a, a thousand minimum. Uh, it's probably going to be tilting around there depending on how crazy the team is. So yeah, it might be, a, your average might be about a thousand pages. I mean, the requirements, your security and all the other shit's like a, a 500 pages by itself. Yeah. And then because the way that they do these licenses here, they're kind of fairly vertically integrated if you're a grower, because you could also extract or infuse. So like you'd also be able to have like SOPs for your kitchen or for your extraction technology. And that stuff takes up pages, you know? Man. Yeah. Well, especially extraction, you, you're, you're talking about like explosion testing and, you know, the safety. Well, standard. it depends on what you're, yeah, you are. Even, even if you're going to be using a CO2 extractor, I guess you're going to want to follow best safety practices and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. Safety first. Yeah, uh, and, and then I say, hey, you know, those extraction machines are expensive. Why don't you just get one of these wonderful knock boxes and, uh, and and grinders or shredders? When they're really big, they call them a shredder. Yeah. And then you can just crank out pre rolls for your first year, and then 
get good at making reliable, regular flour and then buy yourself an extractor. Yeah, I was in a store yesterday and uh, this guy was eyeballing a bag of pre-rolls for an ounce and he was really excited. I was like, dude, for first off, you're probably paying for paper, too. And second, like it was a cheap it was a cheap ounce. I was like, well, you know, goes, you know where pre-rolls come from, right? Uh, shake. Shake and smalls or shake and popcorn or yeah. shake and like the, the tiny little buds. Yeah, little nuggets. But still, uh, some producers just use flour. Those are the ones that, you know, your go to guys. But uh, did you hear about the uh, FDA and CBD? No, what happened to the FDA and CBD? You got, a, are, you got a link for us on that one? I do. Uh, it was That's on awesome. Marijuana Moment. Live yeah. cannabis legalization news. I just have been cannabis and legalization hell over here. Just like, where's all this stuff? How about all those things? What about all these things? Uh, yeah. Well, you actually work in great. industry, dude. Huh? You actually work in the industry. I'm just always like eyeballing things from the outside, you know? So the FDA invites the public to submit more comments on CBD. I would like to submit one, uh, Mr. FDA, man. It is fantastic. That is actually one of the reasons why I slept so great last night, because uh, I rolled up a wonderful piece of uh, some Southern Illinois flour from one of my clients. Thank you very much. Illuminant, great people. Uh, and, you know, it was delicious. Of course, I mixed it with some of California's finest. So it was also a little uplifting. <laughs> but, you know, CBD does work. I mean, CBD works Canada great. Cannabis yeah. is medicine, all the cannabinoids, all the, you know, different parts, you know, making your own cocktail with a terpene. But uh, I, I, I smoke a CBD uh, uh, infused joint sometimes when I really have a bad day for body aches. That's my regular. My regular is a CBD infused because like this, this job is fast and it's high stress. And then, you know, the when adequate capitalization for one of these buildings is like. Well, I've seen our pro formas. If you're not bringing at least three million bucks to the table, you might go broke. And um, yikes. So it's it's real, man. And then uh, because of that and because of all the competition to get in, you're just always working and you're and it's stressful and people are at everybody and they're like, well, what about this? Because everybody is going nuts for the points and everybody wants to win and everybody wants to put together the best application. So, yeah, man, you can roll up some CBD and some THC in it and just relax and dial in and and, and knock it out, man. Well, you guys are also, uh, you know, updating the rules as you go, which is. Oh, yeah. That doesn't make your job easier. No, it does not. I love how they. Well, the infuser license, I bet I, I'm going to. Yeah, I would be hard pressed to find that there's going to be more than 100 infuser license applications is because they they can do only one thing. I mean, like the craft growers can do it too, but the infuser can make like brownies or, um, you know, gummies, maybe even a vape pen, but they need to buy, they need to buy the, the raw material from somebody first. Right. Mm. And so where are they going to buy that raw material first? They can't make their own extracts. They can't grow their own cannabis. Uh, and then not only that, they still have all these financial hoops to draw, jump through more so than even the growers. Like you have to have an insurance contract. You have to have, uh, audited financial statements, even if you're a startup. Fuck, oh, dude. Just, you know, legalization is not the poor man's game that I thought it was going to be. Well, no, that's because you were raised in Washington State in the 90s where you would go to a farmer's market and somebody would give you away, you know, dank nuggets. But it was, you know, in the early days of the Washington market, it was pure capitalism. It was, hey, I got a seed. I'm going to grow it. And then I found a store. I'm going to sell it. All right. Yeah, I got money. Barely unregulated. Unregulated. Yeah. It, now it, it, the regulations are ridiculous. Sometimes I'll see that, you know, because like this says cannabis camp on it, but then it's got a cannabis leaf on it. And so um, I don't think a cannabis brand 
uh, at least a kid. You know, no, the way that the CRT, the, the adult use law is written, it's like you're not allowed to have cannabis leaves in promotional items. So what does that mean? So like, are we just supposed to have like no cannabis and over anything? So if you have any packaging, any logos, any trademarks, anything like that, that you're using to promote or advertise your brand, you can't use a cannabis leaf. What the heck? And it's a stupid policy. Just like what? You can't use a uh, barley when you do beer or. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Cause you see that all the time in beer. You see like the pictures of the grains behind yeah. the beer and like, usually behind like a pint glass or something and then grains behind it in an X. So you're like, Oh, that's right. Grain makes beer. Yeah. It, this is totally the, the, but you know, we're, we're constantly facing uh, uh, what do you call it? Bigotry and, and biasness. Did you hear about the arrest in New York with the young black men out there? Holy crap. No, I didn't. What happened? So Cuomo, you know, always talking about legalization, not Cuomo. What the hell is the, 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 the governor? Anyways, that guy keeps talking about, uh, you know, legalizing it. But this young man right here was in a park after hours. Oh, or actually, man. no, it wasn't even after hours. He was an hour before the park was going to close. Gets harassed by an undercover because they suspected marijuana. I mean, I mean, it's just constant bullshit, man. Yeah, yeah. Because they suspected marijuana, that kid's dead. Yeah, yeah. No, he was beaten down. He was taken down. So Beaten down. And okay. by multiple officers, right? Yeah, I'm so glad that they they made him safe. You know what was yeah. the the biggest uh, cannabis legalization news in my neck of the woods six days ago? Uh, parties, events. No, I was actually uh, quoted in the Wall Street Journal. Oh, that's uh, right, so, dude. Yeah. So like, I, I can't open up the link because then it'll be like, you need to subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. But I can at least, you know, because I Googled it. It's like the prejudice against this plant is real and is a pervasive. And there you go. So uh, as quoted in the Wall Street Journal, there's the actual article. Um, you need to subscribe to read the rest of the story. It's still pretty snazzy, though. You know, you get those hits in a while. And, and uh, um, you know, not everything we do is a banger, but once in a while. Yeah. But I think like sharing that has kind of like made me have some latency issues. Latency? Uh, I no, I'm t I'm coming out of right now. But yeah, man, it was it was fun to kind of say like, oh, you know, I got quoted in the Wall Street Journal the other day. I, I never thought I'd be able to say that, especially about like weed, you know. Yes. Oh, well. Ever since you started your book with a a, a fake name, and you know, yeah. I mean, we just both couldn't be uh, out and about. You know, that's why Miggy Four Twenty lives. It's not just Miguel. That's right. Miguel, come arrest me, Santiago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over here, here, fuck with my life. That's right. <laughs> I also would like to be oppressed, sir. But you know what helps with that are networks, right? When you have a good network and people uh, that you surround yourself and have uh, a means of communicating and outreaching. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think our guest could help with that. I bet she can. You know, uh, I mean, that network took us a long time to build, but now it's uh, the Internet's so much bigger than it was 10 years ago. Dude, I mean, we're, we're, we're beyond MySpace days. Yeah, but I bet I bet like in another five, 10 years after the uh, cannabis legalization has gone full, like federal level, we'll have reports of the algorithms that Google or uh, Facebook or even Amazon have used to suppress uh, cannabis news. Can you imagine, though, there's got to be that like one button or one line that some asshole has about there because there is that biasness. There is that search engine. Uh, uh, you know, they, uh, well, it's the same reason. Like they don't, they don't want to get fucked with by the man. They don't yeah. want somebody coming and knocking on their door and being like, so you're helping all these cannabis companies violate federal laws. Are you, maybe we should regulate the internet. Yeah. Opposed to like, Hey, Twitter, let's just do Trump. Do what the fuck he wants. <laughs> yeah. But you know what the stock market's doing right now? Don't you? 
No, because I don't have stocks. No, I do know. It's oh, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's not my concern. It's tanking hard. How much is it down? You think it's but down a thousand already? Oh my gosh! But that's that just basically means that we're going to have Joe Biden next time, and Joe Biden's not exactly the best on cannabis. But maybe his administration would get out of the way of that 03 percent Delta Nine THC debacle that you know the CBD from the FDA that they're asking for more comments, and then also no, it's down five point six percent. Yeah, that's a good sell-off right there. Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, also, uh, uh, shit, man, I just blanked out. <laughs> you need more CBD in your life. Ah, shit, man, I need something, dude. It's just, you know, there's so much going on. I can't believe it's already Wednesday at fucking uh, twelve o'clock here. You know, like just week has gone by so Sweet fast. Great, because like the thing is, after you've been grinding for about twelve to thirteen straight hours, and like I can't even take a commute. I I took a commute today to work. But it's just you wake up, you, you go from your bedroom to the, the, the list of emails and other pings that you've gotten while you were sleeping. And then you start catching up and like managing teams. It's it's exhausting. And then so that's why you sleep so good, because you're just thinking all day. It's good. First more problems to have, though, bro. Well, come March 16th, they're all gone. <laughs> and then are they going to reopen again? Is there going to be another cycle for more? Uh, there's, uh, that's something. Here we go. A little bit of inside information in the cannabis legalization news space. Uh, exhibit P on the uh, financial disclosures for your craft grower application is something that you are under a con continuing duty to uh, supplement or to disclose any material changes to your financial picture. And then that is further explained in the emergency regulations and then it goes through into your licensure. So uh, these suckers operate in a sense that uh, they have people that buy interests, they sell interests, they hire, they fire, uh, all those types of things. And, and then they would need to update their financial information with the state of Illinois as they do that. Oh, I know. Say, hey, because uh, you're talking about the, um, you know, it, whatever new administration takes over, whatever new policies are the gameplay. I still blame presently Crapo for the death of that guy that was killed in Oklahoma. Yeah, I'll blame Crapo for the guy that killed, uh, died in Oklahoma. Local dispensary owner gunned down in Nebraska, Nebraska or no, Northeast, Oklahoma, Northeast Oklahoma. Okay. That's just too many acronyms on top of each other for me. Yeah, like, okay, see, I'm like, any Nebraska near Oklahoma. That doesn't make any sense. There's a Nebraska, Oklahoma City. But if we had the Safe Banking Act, that, the, you know, if it, if it was yeah, all. Was it just cars, because there was so much money hanging around? So you just became an attractive nuisance to uh, burglars? Period. <sighs> yeah, it's so <laughs> stupid. It's just so stupid that you, I mean, cause it's, it's a fungible commodity already. Like it's all this dank pot that you have in this organ, in this dispensary. And if it's uh, Oklahoma, they don't have like the DEA approved safe regulations that they do in Illinois where this stuff's, you know, locked and, and under video surveillance and nobody's going to be getting away with it, but it's, it's good as money. And so yeah. if you have it, people will buy it and, and then if the only money you're allowed to use is cash, you're kind of screwed. Well, even with the armed robberies that are going on here in Washington state, I, uh, it's, it's gotta be going out of state. You know, you can't be reselling this stuff in state. So, you know, are that or just smoking a lot of personal weed. I, I mean, some people can put it down, man. Some people yeah. can put that weed down. I just don't think it'd be worth robbing a store for though. At that point. No, but you know, that's because you value your freedom and reporting live from weed. You're so tired, bro. <laughs> sleep great, man. I sleep great. Yeah. You look tired, brother. Hey, let's, let's 
<laughs> All right, let's 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 move on with the, the next part of the show and bring on our guest. Yeah. Hey, Lisa, what's going on? Hello, everybody. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Thanks for coming on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about Tokativity? Tokativity. Um, well, first of all, I just want to introduce myself, Lisa Snyder, founder and CEO of Tokativity. Um, we are the global feminist community for active cannabis culture. Um, we host experiential community events that focus on empowerment, uh, cannabis normalization, consumption culture um, through creative, social, political, and feminist forward activities in local chapters across the globe. Um, we also have a nonprofit social club that works to empower women at the root level by creating social, interactive, and creative environments for women to explore personal and professional growth in a space away from male gaze. Hey, uh, first off, uh, happy Women's Month, right? It's Women's Month? Thank you. It is. <laughs> and yes. for Women's History Month, we've been having all the guests that we can book uh, women in cannabis. That's great. We really appreciate your support, and we need more allies like you. And then uh, with Tokativity, uh, first off, props to – I saw you guys starting events in Oregon and then expanding out. I mean, good on you for, for making that network. It actually created itself. Um, we were just sort of the conduits for it. Um, as soon as we started Tokativity here in January 2017, five days before inauguration, um, there was like this energy in the air. And what I interpret as like a fourth wave of feminism really um, surfacing. And we got, as soon as we started, we got requests from all over the world to host Tokativity events. So we've actually spent the last... Um, we spent an, a year and a half really developing a process to onboard um, new chapters and teach them how to um, how to organize, basically. So um, we now have over 20 chapters in, it's going to be four continents. And um, we're just really excited to be using our skills and our digital tools and our network to really help um, with the normalization movement and include feminism in that conversation. That's awesome. So you mentioned uh, kind of like a fourth wave of feminism. So what does feminism look like to Tokativity? Um, right now in 2020, feminism looks like um, having women be an important part of the normalization conversation, um, but it really including everybody in that conversation. Um, equality is obviously something that is is very important to women but really needs to be expanded to an everybody conversation and especially with what's happening in our country um we really need more more people thinking and talking about equality because it in general it feels better and everybody wins um and that really takes time and that really takes um communication and community building and relationship building and trust. And it, it just it just takes a long time. So we really are excited to um, to be at the forefront of this conversation, this very important conversation that we need to have um, and really help women have a voice in that. So you were saying you have a profit and a nonprofit. Because I know a lot of times when people join an organization, uh, I know it, it was an issue for Women Grow where people were mad because they're like, oh, but if it was on the, it was on the website. It said, we are for profit. So, and I think the more networks are the better, especially for women networks, you know, are, are great. What, how do you differentiate the two, the nonprofit and the profit? Yeah. So 
It's interesting because we kind of went a little backwards in all of this. We started as an event series that very rapidly turned into a community that very rapidly turned into a, a global community. So we just started as as women who just wanted to get together. Um, and that very rapidly became apparent to us that we need to um, we need to draw a line in the sand between like what you know what that community building piece is and then like what tokativity the brand is and we just recently I'm not even getting you in like the last two weeks really started to explore talking about it more so in October we took our women's events and put them into a 501c7 private social club um, to continue doing what it is that we were doing already which was gathering women but really to protect it and also um to to create a container for that because you know it's not something that makes a lot of money that's okay um but we also have this incredible brand we have a trademarked um name and we have something that is bigger than just women focused things or women gatherings so um the language on our website i just spent mm, two hours yesterday going over it with my business partner and so we're trying to differentiate that with the language that we're using the uh, and explaining that on our website. I still have a lot of work to do in regards to um, to communicating that outwardly and what the differences are because we are known as like a women only events company, but now we're becoming more than that. So um, if anybody's curious about what the differences are, we have an explanation on our website and we'll continue to do the work to explore explaining that further. So is the nonprofit an all-inclusive then? The nonprofit is a private social club uh, that is specifically for women. And cool. we host in-person and online events through our Tokativity community events. The community events are for everybody. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So you welcome the, the males into the community events. Uh, where, are, where do you ha have most of the events? So, um, well... Here in Portland, we have a headquarters. Um, my business partner, Samantha, has actually been doing um, a lot of work in the in the cannabis consumption space. That's actually how we met. And I've been doing feminist events for about 15 years, and that's kind of how Tokativity came together. Um, so we have a consumption-friendly event space here in Portland, Oregon. We've actually helped um, the city of Portland to define consumption guidelines because that's something that is absolutely... Can you email me? Can you email me what you have in Portland about social use consumption? Sure. What like yeah, ordinance? Because like that's hot right now in Illinois, and we actually have a bill in Illinois about uh, social consumption. So when you said, how did you describe it? What do they have in Portland again? On no, they don't call it on site. What do they no, call it? It's, it's, you can consume in private, mm -hmm. um, and you can't. Uh, there's a whole long list. I'll send you the list. It's actually public information. You can Google it like Portland cannabis consumption guidelines. It's on the city of Portland's website. I'll absolutely email that to you. And, um, you know, but this is one of the things that's absolutely missing in the legalization of cannabis that's sweeping the nation is this conversation of like, okay, you've legalized the plant, but where are you actually allowing people to consume? And right now, yes, consuming in private. What does that mean for somebody who lives in public housing? What does that mean for somebody that, you know, needs medicine and can't actually consume it without maybe potentially getting in trouble? Like, that's completely wrong. And, you know, it's taken us a couple of years to actually get to this point that those law or those guidelines, they're not laws, they're guidelines based on the OLCC guidelines, were written 
because the conversation of, of the, the people who are doing cannabis events here and the city of Portland was like, hey, we know this is happening and we want to help facilitate it happening. But we don't know really like how to do that. So can you help us? So the work that we're doing, not just here in Oregon, but in other states is really important because if nobody's actually doing gatherings or changing that conversation, then that conversation doesn't get changed. So, um, and these laws need to be written into the law when something, when cannabis gets legalized and it's not. And then we have to go backwards to go. I lobbied in Salem last, last year. I was one of the only people who was talking about consumption, social consumption. Mm. And that language is really scary to people. So we actually changed yeah. the language from social consumption. Um, what did we change it to? Well, the language of social was too scary and we ended up changing it. I can't remember what we changed it to. Terrified um, of this whole social aspect of the usage. But yeah. you know, it's still- Common uh, consumption, sorry. It's called okay. common consumption. Hmm. Common All consumption? Right. Yeah. I'm going to get back onto my euphemism people and be like, well, recreational marijuana bad, adult use cannabis good. Yeah. Social consumption bad, common consumption good, you know? And Portland's still kind of a weird area where, uh, Lisa, are you from Portland? No, I'm actually from, I was born on Long Island uh, and moved to Jersey when I was five. So I'm a Jersey girl and I moved out here six years ago. Don't don't be mad. I used to live in Jersey. I get you. How, I used to Portland. Be City. Uh, How is it? I've never uh, been. It's, I love it. Um, I'm never leaving. <laughs> it's, um, it's really supportive of alternative lifestyles and experimenting. And it, this is the perfect place for like a social common consumption movement. Hmm. Well, Portland's funny in a, in a sense where I was trying to get to was uh, uh, they had this event that used to be occurring once a year and hasn't been in a while, Hempstock. And Portland, uh, uh, the... Hempfest? No, Hempstock. Hempfest is up in Seattle. Hempstock yeah, yeah. must have been Portland's it, That was uh, Paul Stanford's uh, organization. Uh, they, would, it would, they would be like a Hempfest, but... Uh, in, in a park downtown, and it happened for quite a few years until finally uh, this uh, uh, Israeli company put him out of business because he used to run, uh, I, I don't know the name of the company, THCFF. They used to be the authorizations for you know all the uh, medical patients. But uh, and Portland still got a hazy ground as far as treating cannabis co consumers because uh, here in Washington, uh, the lounge, which lounge do you go to when you guys do your events, Lisa? We have our own space here. I'm sitting oh, nice. here right now. Okay, because I know like the Northwest Cannabis Club, uh, Mike, the he used to have a club up here. It was the Northwest Market, and uh, we used to smoke and, and trade there. You know, the mystical times when it was like a, a, a farmer's market. And uh, when uh, 502 came and crushed everybody, uh, he moved down to Portland, on the edge of Portland, uh, just because the, the laws are kind of hazy. Yeah, it's it was, actually down the street from us. Oh, right on. Yeah. So, I mean, there's two cannabis clubs that are here. Um, Northwest Cannabis Club is one of them. And then Flight Lounge, which is a women-owned lounge. It's a little bit yes. smaller. Um, and then we specialize in private events. So okay. we're not a public lounge. Um, however, we do rentals and our own events. So, like, when you say public or private events, one has to be a member to sign up and get author notes and everything like that from you guys. Yes. <clears throat> so I'm in a flyover country, um, you know. Cornfields, connecting flights between the coats that you kind of look down at and be like, are we there yet? Uh, and, and one of the only out, you know, outlets that I've ever really come in contact with Portland is a show called Portlandia. 
Is that show accurate at all in its portrayal of Portland? Um, you know what's funny is that when I was living in New Jersey, I would watch it and like pine away for Portland because there are some like it's basically stretching the truth. It is quirky. It has these kind of different kinds of characters, and it is it is it is stretching the truth. So there, I would say that there is some truth to that show. Now we want to go to Portland more. You don't put a bird on everything. Um, <laughs> I don't think we do anymore. It's uh, yeah, I don't I don't think so. But yeah, you're welcome anytime. You should come come here. We actually have a podcast studio here. If you ever want to do some live recordings or do something like this here. You guys have like vegetarian food, right? Because that's uh, that's Are one of the hardest. Yeah, yeah. It's we have so much vegetarian yeah. food. It's okay, ridiculous. lots of vegan food too. Like no shortage of vegan and vegetarian restaurants, food. Mm. Nope, we got a, we got the shortages in Spade. It's Burger Town, but you can also order a pizza here. So I don't anyway, know like I was checking out your website, and folks need to uh, agree to your code of contact uh, conduct before gaining access to the platform. Yeah. So what types of things was are in your codes of contact uh, conduct and what did you consider uh, when drafting it? So um, the code of conduct was inspired by Cultivation Classic. I've actually been a judge for the last two years. I'm, I'm a judge again this year. And um, if anybody doesn't know about it, you should check it out. It's definitely the most vigorous, closest to organic without using the words um, cannabis cup in the country, potentially the world. Um and they had a code of conduct um, that was inspired by other festivals. And the um, organizer of Cultivation Classic, Steph Barnhart, um, she's an organizer for a lot of different things. And she came up with this, um, not the idea, but she cultivated the language uh, from different places. And I was when I had to sign that code of conduct um, just to become a judge and just to go to the Cannabis Cup, I was like, this is very inspiring and should be the, the baseline for all cannabis events. If we're changing cannabis culture and we're leaning more into um, <clears throat> really what it means to be respectful to one another um, and really set the rules for what that even means, um, then we need to be using codes of conduct. So we curated that um, based on the Cultivation Classic Code of Conduct and made our own and updated it. And Reason being is that we had been doing, you know, events for women for a very long time. And now that we're opening up to all with our community events, you know, different people have different definitions of what is respectful. And we really wanted to set the tone for what is it that we find to be respectful and where is the line so that if, if we ever needed to, um, you know, throw someone out <laughs> um, or turn off their membership that we would be able to lean on a code of conduct for that and create a reporting system, um, which we have implemented. That's pretty neat. I'm glad you mentioned the cultivation classic. Uh, one of my buddies, Johnny green, he loves that classic because he, do, he does judging as well. I mean, the, your guys' uh, investment into each product because it's, it's one of the better craft competitions in Oregon uh, uh, just you know, looking at terpenes, they have a really cool, uh, uh, was like the judging uh, menu or whatever. I mean, yeah, it's very, um, it's very focused on the experience of it, and this is really important because it the indica sativa thing is a total myth, and it's it's a big problem because companies are being pressured to lean into those that language, and it's actually misinformation to the whole entire community 
And um, it's not about Diva. Like they, they you can't. <laughs> what's the problem with these? But like they still do. Like oh, I want to buy a sativa. You know, I want to buy an indica. Well, this is a problem because the 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 um, people, the consumers, are not educated on the fact that there are actually terpenes and things that make you feel this way or that way, and it has nothing to do with the way the plant grew. That's how what sativa and indica actually is. It's indicative of how the plant actually grew. Does it have big leaves or small leaves or whatever, short, tall, whatever. And generally speaking, sativa plants lean towards, you know, being higher, you know, making you higher, higher vibes, like faster pace, like, you know, being, getting shit done, et cetera. Um, however, it is not necessarily the truth. And um, the cultivation classic really leans into the experience of consuming and what do you feel and what how would this make your life better and like that's really where we need to be leaning into with the with the cannabis movement but the but uh consumers are not demanding that and that therefore companies are just leaning into the sativa indica thing and i'm i'm i i really really hope that something changes with this but i'm not really sure how how it's going to happen unless there's demand for it how excited do you get though when like a hundred samples show up at your door? Like that's gotta it's be only awesome. eight this year. <laughs> that's it. Well, Last you guys at least are allowed to have samples. We aren't allowed to have samples here. That took a while. Um, I don't really know the ins and outs of it because I don't touch the plant. However, I know that that we didn't have sampling for a really long time, and people had to f- try to figure it out on the gray in the gray area. Um, but yeah, and, and it is kind of a process. They actually had 13 medical patients that helped to get it through the OLCC um, mm-hmm. because you can only, there's limits, you know, there's personal limits and uh, it's very tricky, but. Um, you guys do- have, uh, so possession limits as well in Oregon? Yes. So like, I love this legalization and we're all in legalized states and are here in Illinois, it's an ounce. So like trying to figure out how to do the samples, which they aren't allowed to do, I guess somebody who owns the growing facility can buy up to an ounce and then gift it. So like, you know, here, we'll send you an eighth, but I had to buy it first so that that it could be completely tracked and traced. Yes. Um, Now, I don't really know what it's like in Illinois. And it's so interesting to like be on this side on being witness to legalization over the last, you know, four or five years. Um, And this new, new thing that's happening there, but like, do you, can you buy it for like a penny? Like, is there some kind of limitation on Absolutely what? Absolutely not. Um, you know, like, so the cheapest eighth you're going to find in Illinois will probably be about $50 and you're going to have to be on the medical side. If you want to go get an eighth for uh, an adult, you know, it's probably going to be closer to 70, 60 to 70. Well, not the cost for the consumer, but like the internal sampling cost, you know, cause for example, I should say that, um, here in Oregon, like there are certain ways, and again, I'm not, I don't touch the plant, so I don't know all the ins and outs. However, that there are certain ways that a dispensary could receive flour and sell it for a penny or a dollar to somebody on the other side to make sure that it's tracked. Um, I don't think that the OLCC really likes that, but they also don't have any rules against it. Are you guys vertically integrated? Um, Tocativity? No, uh, uh, Oregon is, as a uh, can a grower have a store as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because yes. what you're explaining for here in Washington, that, that never will happen because uh, we're horizontal, of course. But uh, uh, I've been to events where, um, again, the producer has to buy their own stuff, but they have to buy it from a store. Yes. And, and then they can go to an event and give it away. It's like, you got to pay full price for your own shit. I, I don't get it. 
Yeah, there's all kinds of, there's a lot of work to do here because like people want to try it before they buy it, right? And um, I think that there's all kinds of gray areas and there's all kinds of loopholes and that the cannabis industry has really forced people to get super creative about how to do business in an ever-changing world. In cash, while still being federally legal. Yeah. Yep, all the things. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a gray area all the time when you deal with the, uh, like, when you guys decided to have events, were you nervous at first? I was. Um, I am a risk taker, so, <laughs> and so is my business partner. Um, so together we were like, well, let's see what happens. And so we actually start, we, we started Tokativity out of Samantha's house, um, Prism House. And we ended up turning Prism House into an actual facility, which I'm sitting in right now. Um, but we did that for a year and a half. And we, you know, Sam was actually, you know, in touch with the people, the city of Portland, and they didn't care that we were doing cannabis consumption events. However, what they did care about was when, because the city of Portland is based on complaints. Um, so they, um, th- we got too big for a house, <laughs> basically. Oh. And um, we had to start to rent other spaces. So um, that's a good problem. Yeah. Can be. It can be. It did force us to get creative, which is really what the cannabis industry has done. Like, you know, we, um, we got kicked off of Eventbrite, censored from Facebook. And so I ended up building our own tech platform to support our membership and, um, you know, create that container for us to be able to not only do events in Portland, but be able to do it in different legal states, including Illinois, which we just opened cool. up our chapter, right. chapter in uh, Chicago. Oh, wow. Welcoming the Chicago chapter of Tokativity, which I've read empowers women at the root level. So can you explain what it means to empower women at the root level? Yes. So um, I think it's important to note that like our, our, our mission for a really long time was to empower women at the root level for the normalization of cannabis and empowering women at the root level now is part of our nonprofit social club, the Tokativity social club mission. Um, So the root level to me means like the internal dialogue that women have. Um, Women are told basically from the time that they're born, even before they're born that like they can only do certain things Um, and pigeonholes women um, little girls that turn into women into thinking that they can only do certain things. Um, however, the root level to me is exploring that internal conversation that becomes a woman's external, um, environment. So, you know, what, what can you do in your life? Well, this is a really interesting time to explore that combining cannabis and consumption with personal and professional exploration and growth is a really interesting concept that absolutely works to for anybody really but we've been focusing you know a lot of our energy on on women specifically but that internal conversation that you're having with yourself and how does that relate to your external world so that root level is that internal conversation i imagine in your women conversation there has to be just for one a safe space that you need to to be able to just have that dialogue you know yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I'm I don't have children, but every woman that works with Tokativity has children and there's a lot of women that come to Tokativity that have been like the the stoner mom smoking alone in their bathroom, blowing it out the window, feeling shame about it. 
And this is a place where they can talk openly with other parents um, about loving cannabis and having that be a, a part of their, you know, health protocols and their mental and spiritual health. Um, and that's part of breaking that stigma and changing the conversation of cannabis culture. It's not about smoking alone or being in a basement and playing video games. It's about being active. And that's why we're really shifting into the global feminist community for active cannabis culture. We're leaning into being active cannabis consumers, celebrating that and really turning that stoner bro stigma, like what everybody knows cannabis to be like off. Like that's okay if people want to live that way, but that's not how we live. And, um, you know, these, these mothers are so excited to, to talk with other women openly about their cannabis use and to not feel the shame and stigma that happens and has happened for them. Well, I think you being a woman as well as being the uh, proactive in your website. I mean, I saw your background uh, in web design, uh, you know, tech is huge for women, you know, STEM and all this stuff. Let's encourage more, but just for you to say, look, this is what I've done. This is what I create. You, you, you set a huge, great example for, for women, I think. Thank you. I appreciate that. We do. I care a lot about um, what women specifically need and how that conversation carries over into the larger um, community. And we are half of the population. <laughs> you should be half literally, the population. Yeah, literally, literally half the population. So, like, I have to do these diversity statements or diversity plans for my clients. And it's, it's a sizable amount of the score in the uh, cultivation side, much more so than it was in the dispensing side. Like 10% of your score is going to be your diversity plan. And so I always make sure, like, guys, you're a great team. And that's usually guys. I mean, I do, uh, out of the teams, one of them's led by a woman. And, you know, the, other, the others aren't. And so I'm like, would it kill you? To, and then they do. They, they put women on the board. They give women ownership and they know that, you know, in their diversity plan, they're trying to represent the community they serve. And like you said, half the world is women. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, one of the things that is is really become apparent um, as we've been like talking with our community is that like the biggest barrier for women um, is twofold. One is um, finances. Like most of the time, um, I think the statistic is only 3% of women-owned businesses get funded. That's really, really, really small. Why is that happening? Mostly because people want to support other people that they know. And, like, the guys that have money um, like to, you know, talk to the other guys that have money. They don't know anybody else that, you know. And, and what you do have to do when you're thinking about diversity is you do have to look outside of your inner circle um, and be conscious to bringing people into the fold because there's there's a huge barrier for people. Um, if you're if you don't know anybody that has money, how are you gonna get to know them? It's it's like it's 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 uncomfortable. You know, we actually went through a business accelerator program, um, the first of its kind, um, called the Initiative for Women Founders in Cannabis. It was teaching women how to fundraise. Even that skill of fundraising is something that women don't have. They don't have access to that information. Nobody taught them how to do that. So guys aren't that good at it. I've, I've seen <laughs> they, they just suck. And I'm like, and I'm like, guys, make a deal, make an offer. If I don't understand what I'm buying, like, where's my benefit? And you're just and they're just sitting there going like, up and to the right. No, it's not up and to the right. You haven't even figured out how to close a deal yet. You know. 
Yeah. I mean, like skill set for, for fundraising in general is something that definitely not everyone has. However, I think that that's the second part of this is confidence. It's like going back to like the way that women have been talked to and treated forever and ever. It's like, you can only do certain things. So you're already blocked mentally and emotionally from thinking of what you can do. And I see this every day, all day long with all kinds of women limiting themselves because they think that they can't do it. And why do you think they apologize all the time too? Cause like, so, Oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm like, you don't need to feel sorry. It's okay. You know, it's a social construct to feel bad and to take responsibility. Women take way too much responsibility for things that have nothing to do with them. And it's well, when like, when I come across that in the future and somebody's apologizing to me or doing something where they're maybe shortchanging themselves or pigeonholing themselves. How can I, as a, uh, I'm, I'm a Catholic, but I'm not practicing. Uh, I am a vegetarian, so I'm a little weird. And uh, so how can a uh, authoritarian white male make them feel, uh, you know, heard and understood? I think the very, with the quickest and easiest way is to say, there's nothing to apologize for and just like move on, you know, like there's just saying that. I mean, I hear that all the time like women apologizing to me for things and i'm just like there's nothing to apologize for and then moving on um it acknowledges the fact that they did that they can make the change that they maybe need to in their minds about how to change their own conversation their own inner dialogue um with other and outer dialogue with other people and it acknowledge it it shows that you are an ally in being like hey it's cool you don't need to apologize to me and move on and not make a big deal about it right on What's a, what is your membership rates like? Um, we currently have three membership levels. Um, we have a business membership that is $99 a month. And it basically we are an extension of a marketing, uh, of your marketing team. So we have a huge network of over 35,000 and we've done a lot of work in the digital space, SEO space. Um, and people trust us. They look to us for who are we working with. So it's an incredible opportunity to tap into that and to have us really get to know brands who care about equality and who care about normalization of cannabis, which should be every single cannabis company should be caring about cannabis normalization. Um, and it also comes with two event passes if you happen to be in a city where we do host events, which is now in over 20 cities across the world and growing. We've got a list of almost 200 women on a waiting list and we're just trying to like, you know, go one by one um, and, you know, get those cities up and running. Um, our next le- uh, membership level is $24 a month. It's a grassroots membership and that gets you um, free access to our online classroom, two passes every month. And like, you know, it provides support to us for, what it is that we're doing and working on. And then we have a free membership, which just gets you access to the information on the site, our newsletter, um, and, you know, our membership specific communications. Cause I was, um, so the Tokativity website, if, cause the nonprofits the one just for females, but the Tokativity website, I can go there and become a member for the Seattle chapter. Yes, you can. Um, I do believe that they have in the works a community event. I don't know when it is, but I know that that is something that they're actively working on. You know, one of the biggest barriers for us is actually venues. Um, You know, in adult use states, we've been leaning on having consumption-friendly events, um, and that has its own thing because there's a lot of a lot of gray areas, a lot of things, especially in Washington, you know, we're very thankful for Cultiva Law, who has been super supportive to us, um, hosting us 
at their right. space and um, in in Seattle. Um, but you know, it's <laughs> it's it's interesting. Um, trying to, to find locations that will host us. So we've been really leaning in more into like CBD conversations, non-consumption conversations, et cetera. Um, and yeah, I guess long story short, you can absolutely sign up for the website and be informed when there is a community event in your area. And also if you're traveling, you know, we have our upcoming Chicago events. Both of those events are community events. So when are those events? Let's promote them. Yes. So our next upcoming events is a boss brunch, a conversation with women in cannabis. It is a community event that is March 22nd, um, 10 to one. And then we have a yoga class. It's called love to Lux you yoga for all. And that is on April 2nd. So we do, I, I do, I do practice a lot of yoga, but I'm, uh, I'm an insufferable snob on, on many occasions. yoga. How do you not have a man bun? I'm just saying, um, this is the longest I've had my hair in a year. And so, and then the other reason is because I don't have like one of those headbands to keep it out. So like your, your hair starts sweating and then it starts getting in your eyes. And then eventually I just go F it. And I just buzz my head, my hair off when it's like 90 degrees outside in August. <laughs> Next time, Miggy, for you, I'll do a man bun. Oh shit. Yeah. I'm going to need to get a headband first. Just to but keep you, it out of the face. Yeah. You know, and the reason why I asked about the membership and, and, and you know, for the Seattle chapter and whatnot is I think organizations like yours are going to be the important part for the consumption of like inner, you know, people meeting each other. You know, it's hard to be like, hey, I'm going to post a thing on Craigslist and we're all going to smoke up at the Space Needle. It doesn't work I mean, that for way. For some reason, you know? the cops are there. I'm going to create my own protest. Yeah. You know, uh, but networks, you have a network. Um, and you set an event date and, and even if it's a small group and people can meet at someone's house, have a sesh, you know, this, these are low, uh, risk events, low risk things to do, but yeah. Um, our events really have ranged depending on this location and the access to venues that will allow for more than a certain amount of people. Um, we have definitely leaned into more, I mean, we are private membership based organizations. So we've done a lot of things in homes. However, we've also done things in like after hour businesses and like um, law offices and stuff like that. So Is it easier to smoke weed in the law offices because they're like, we'll handle it. We got this, guys. I yeah. do feel safer, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Well, the cool thing about Seattle, have you been in the one here in Seattle then? Lisa. What's that? Have you been in the cultivar uh, law mm -hmm. up here? You know, we haven't had a, a Seattle or an Oregon uh, lawyer on yet. You guys should follow up with your contacts at cultivar law and tell them to come on the show. I'll grab Aaron Pilly. He's a he's a great source. But third, 39th floor. Uh, oh, my God. To smoke a joint and to see the... The, the Puget uh, Sound. The 39th well, floor. You know, they just moved, yes, so they don't have that 39th floor anymore. However, I did hear that uh, it, they do have, you know, a different space that is still beautiful mm. and awesome. And um, I do recommend, um, you know, Aaron is a great resource. And they have offices now in Seattle, Portland, uh, San Francisco, and L.A. And, um, you know, they've been big supportive supporters of ours and we are supporters of them yeah no they're a great firm mm -hmm. you know, especially with this all up and coming legalization process yeah. yeah um i just also wanted to share a little bit like we not only have our membership um 
options with the business membership, etc. But we also have opportunities to tap into our digital network. We have digital advertising and we also do sponsorships of all of our events. It's a great opportunity to really touch base with the people who you want to have on your side, who you want to have caring about your brand and really getting to know you. Cannabis, no matter how corporate it gets, is still a who you know business. And that is how we have created this like massive network and um, of people who, who want to know each other and trust. What are you doing? What are you using? Where are you shopping? Where are you not shopping? You know? Oh, yeah. so, Walmart. <laughs> I also don't go to Chick-fil-A or Jimmy John's. All right. All right. I'm not eating that stuff. All right. Yeah. Um, you know, but being able to meet each other, this is huge. Like our, our, or, our network is knows one another and like women can go to different cities. Um, they, they sometimes literally are like, I'm moving to Phoenix. I want to start a chapter and like, yeah, like we need to, we need to know one another during this time. This is really, this is super chaotic time in our political climate. Um, we all need to know one another and, you know, support one another's businesses. If we don't know who's behind the scenes, like how can we possibly feel really good about supporting that business or buying from them? You know, I feel way better buying from a farm where I've met the farmer, I've been to the farm, um, or I know the people behind the scenes who are caring about it. It's all about relationships. That's it right there. It's huge. Mm -hmm. Networking relationships. Speaking yeah. of, we have one on the screen. Welcome, Lauren. Hey, <laughs> Lisa, hey. thank you so much for joining us today. Where can we go to follow and support Tokativity? All things Tokativity. So Tokativity.com, we're on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter. But our website, Tokativity.com, will let you see what's going on. Um, if you click on Connect, if you go back to the site, you click on Connect. Um, this is our membership website. And just simply by joining, um, we do have that free membership. You can get access to all of our upcoming events. Um, and, you know, we have online classes we have there. We also have a job board um, that we pull from different sources and um, a business membership directory, um, which highlights people who have been supporting Tokativity. And, um, you know, these are SEO friendly uh, listings. So, um, you know, we're really excited to meet you all, everybody who's listening and checking this out. Please feel free to email us anytime. Um, if you've got questions about like what's going on, where, or if you want to start a chapter, we don't have one yet. You can go to our website, tobitube.com and, and learn more about how to get that started. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks so much for joining us, Lisa. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for the invitation. I appreciate it. Well, before we wrap up, oh, yeah. what was the hook that we started this episode with? It's been so long, we forgot it already. <laughs> but we're going to go. I'm going to tell you the people that are watching that are applying on uh, Monday at the latest where they can go to easily submit their application, probably without any waiting. And then I'll share the screen. And if you go to the FAQ, actually, you don't need to. It's just the main page in the Department of Agriculture's website for Illinois. They have a brief uh, applications FAQ right here. And so that's Monday, March 16th. You have until then 5 p.m. I'm assuming if you're in line before 5 p.m., maybe, but I'd get there before 
too, just in case the lines, especially at the Thompson Center in Chicago. And if you're south of 80 or in like Rockford or something, so you don't have to go into the city, I would highly recommend instead going to the state fairgrounds in Springfield, Illinois, at the JR Rock Building uh, inside Gate 11, because if you're in Springfield, uh, probably is not going to be near as crowded as if you go to Chicago. Great. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. Tune in this Sunday for a conversation about how the role blockchain will play in the cannabis industry. Uh, so thanks for tuning in. See you next. See you on Sunday. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.